Good morning. I'm your host, Claudia Shamba, welcoming you to the September 12th, 23 edition of Ask a Leader. Happy 30th to the human who made me a parent for the first time 30 years ago. Today, my guests for the larger share of the show are two childhood friends building something special together. Sara Dang of Sage Hill School and Rohan Soni of Orange County School of the Arts are partners in creating the app DearMe.MentalHealth, a project that assists youth in managing the challenges of chronic illness and mental health. The app is a platform for anonymous journaling. We'll check in with local Iranian-American activist Guita Sharifi about the Women Life Freedom Rally this Saturday in Los Angeles. And then I'll close with a tribute to a civic leader extraordinaire, Mary Ann Guido, whom we lost last Wednesday, September 6th. We'll be right back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the show. My guests are Sar Dang and Rohan Soni, partners in creating the app DearMe.MentalHealth, a project that assists youth in managing the challenges of chronic illness and mental health. The briefest of introductions, Sar Dang is a 16-year-old student at Sage Hill School in Newport. She's already had tastes of travel to such places as Morocco, South Africa, and Japan. Her interests and pursuits include a little Bollywood-styled Indian dance. Rohan is a sophomore at Orange County School of the Arts, and when he's not behind the drummer kit, he's coding and engineering projects and firing up his pizzas from scratch. We know which group they'd be in Mizuko Ito's book about digital engagement. The title is Hanging Out, Messing Around, and Geeking Out. These two are totally, totally geeking out and so applied. Some of you listeners may have seen coverage about their enterprise in the Los Angeles Times, among other places. It's a pleasure to have them on our platform. They join me in Studio B. We're recording this on September 8th. Welcome to Ask a Leader, Sarah Dong and Rohan Soni. Hi, thank you so much for having us. Thank you for having us, Ms. Uh, Claudia. <laughs> so, uh, and Rohan is saying that because we met first at a colloquium in the summer and on media. I was really pushing their envelopes about media consumption and critically thinking their sources and producing. I was having that so... Uh, there was a little bit of a formality, and so I'm so glad to see Rohan in real life right now. <laughs> well, first, it's necessary to ask the classic origin story question, and maybe there's actually two. So I don't know if you want to start with how you first two met, or do you want to start with the product? Because sure, Pavan, your brother, is sort of the thought. So you start with which origin story, Yeah, Sarah? I'll start with how Rohan and I met. So our families um, grew up together. Um, our Both of our dads went to the same college together, and then we went to the same preschool, middle school, elementary school. So we've basically known each other our entire lives. Um, and Rohan and I have always been really good friends, especially with my younger brother, Coven, who lives with a chronic illness. So 
Rohan and I realized that Coven wasn't really sharing how he felt with this um, kidney disease that he has. So we wanted to create a project for kids and kids like him to know that they can share how they feel in their situations. And from my side of the story, it kind of blends in with Sarah's. We kind of, our two paths kind of meet because uh, I vis- I would see them, I mean, multiple times a month. We I'd hang out with Sarah, her brother. And so I when, during COVID when when Coven's condition eventually began to worsen slightly, I noticed that he struggled to show share how he felt. And that's when Sarah and I had the conversation originally. And so we that's when we thought of the original idea for the project, thinking, okay, what can what how can we help him, Coven originally? And then after talking and brainstorming about multiple ways we can go about it, we're like, okay, well Coven's not the only one struggling with this. He's the one that we know, but we know that there's there's millions of people around the world who struggle with similar things as Coven. And so we could really help a lot of people with by starting a project for Coven. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where the beginning of Dear Me so people, some people were dialing down in the the COVID exhaustion, but you were dialing it up because yep. you're dealing with a COVID and a Coven kind of uh, a challenge, and the need to be needs to be met. And so, so that's it was both of those things. Right? Yeah. So, Rohan, were you already doing coding projects and programming stuff uh, prior to starting the Dear Me project? I have done a little coding. I've dabbled in like JavaScript, HTML, CSS, a little bit of everything Python because I just want to. I didn't know what any of this is about, so I'm like, oh, I'll try this. I want, And then I'm like, oh, I want to code a uh, robot. Okay, let me do this. So I just played around with a bunch of different stuff. I wasn't good at any of them, but I learned a little bit. And then for the Dear Me app, uh, I I mainly learned a lot from just Google. Uh, Google is my best friend. Uh, I, I Googled a lot of my ways th- through the project, but I coded the app on Xcode, uh, which if there's any software developers, they know that that's like the Apple app to make apps. And so it's kind of the where I coded the app. And then I you can integrate other, currently I'm working on improving the app. And so I'm integrating some Python from another app called PyCharm. And it, it really allows, you don't, it doesn't really matter what language I coded in, but it's just, I was able to interconnect a bu- bunch of different languages. So in a way, dabbling a little in a lot of languages helped me because I could understand how to mix them in between. Okay, so there are technical things that are beyond me, that, but I'm, it, it may get to the point, though, of some kind of vulnerabilities, though, that are of concern for users. And I, I want to see if I can pull that together. So you were going to say something in addition to that, Sara. Um, I was also just going to mention how we began Dear Me itself in terms of how we were having a conversation about, oh, do you know how Coven's feeling? And neither of us really had an answer. We were like, he kind of seems okay. He says he's fine, but we don't really know if that's how he truly feels because he kind of would hide his feelings to his family, even though he's going to so many doctor's appointments, taking so many medications, so many things are going on. But he never really said he was doing good. He kind of hid behind a mask of, oh, I'm good. I'm fine. I'm okay. I would. I'm interested. Was were, was he also involved in clinical trials? Or, no. So it was a a protocol that's already been set up by available on the market kind of yeah. strings of medication. So it's not like he's answering to the the clinical trial gods and then he's got this. So okay. So he's that that helps me understand a little bit how that was working. So he is presenting something, but you maybe you're having to sort of pull out of him. So yeah. Kevin, what what's really 
What is it really like then? He let you in or did you have to really go back and forth? A it few was times? definitely really difficult for him to let us in because I'm just like his older sister. It's not like you really want to share so much with your big sister, I feel like. So he wouldn't really share to me how he felt. And I asked Rohan, oh, has he told you anything? He hadn't told him anything either. So that's when we both decided like, oh, maybe we should do something kind of indirectly, I guess, not necessarily asking him directly, how do you feel? Instead of, we could, we could do something like, oh, how do kids like you feel? Or ask kids like him so he knows, oh, there's people like me. I can actually share how I feel because I'm not alone. That is really interesting. You're figuring out how to get access to him. And yeah. he didn't he didn't know, I mean, you weren't approaching him because I need to do this app for a, a cool project, but you had to figure out a way with integrity with authenticity is how to get into where Coven is. But, and then while you're doing that, you're thinking you can help him and you can help a broader public. Yeah, exactly. Is that what you're thinking? Yeah, exactly. So wow. we kind of started this project instead of saying, oh, we want to make a film, we want to make an app. We started by saying, we want to help these kids. How can we do that? And then we created an idea for a film to bring awareness to them. And then we created the idea for the app to directly help them in terms of their own positivity through gratitude. The film before the app? Mm -hmm. Okay, but the film is not out, and we're going to close this whole lovely interview with how people can get to that film. There's a trailer. That's all I've seen. I haven't seen the film yet, but it was presented. We'll we'll get to those things. So when did Coven realize he's now, he's kind of a guinea pig, and (laughs) he is a source for you two to test out something that could have a broader application? So how? let's go... Get back in his head, and and he knows you're doing this interview, mm-hmm. and he knows you've been doing other interviews. So how is he feeling about he's got a bigger a bigger opportunity here? Tell us about how that works. Yeah, so I think at the beginning he was definitely a little bit intimidated. He was kind of like, oh, everyone's going to know about my situation. Everyone's going to do blah, 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 because he's a 13-year-old boy in eighth grade. He doesn't really necessarily want everyone knowing everything about his life. He's about he getting realized, along with everybody, being yeah. a friend of a part <laughs> of a lot of clubs. Yeah, so now he kind of, he was at first, it seemed like scared or uncomfortable about the fact that everyone's going to know everything about what's happening. Like, do I have to do this? Do I have to be in the film? But then he realized that it's not only helping him, but it's also helping other children. So then I think he kind of became accustomed to it. He still gets a little I guess embarrassed or nervous when we talk about it sometimes but overall I think that he's really he's excited about what's happening he does use the app and he's excited to learn more about it it's vivid me that in the trailer there he is at four with the little uh, baby table yeah and and all and that kind of thing so it's like not everybody er, every adolescent gets everybody to see what those earlier pictures are so so he's gradually figuring that so also I'm really curious about you have that Rohan's talking about drawing on coding and other programming kinds of, of information, but how about are you finding sources? People out there know how to put together because now there's a, so many remote kind of therapy apps out there. So tell us about how you sought out sources for ethically dealing with this to helping because you're getting to some pretty important zones here and the sources of funding to yeah. to put this all together there's all that yeah so first of all in terms of the app and like sourcing like help from other people we both before we fully had solidified the idea of a journaling app we went to my brother's doctor actually at cedar sinai hospital who told us that journaling is a very therapeutic and useful tool but she also told us that patients like my brother they didn't like journaling it feels like homework if you're 
just writing down how you feel on a piece of paper. No one really wants to do that. So we wanted to do something like, okay, journaling is a good idea, but how do we get it into a way that kids actually want to use it? How do we get it so it's not like they're just like given a blank piece of paper and they're like, what do I do now? So that's why we created, came up with the idea to write prompts down and have it be digital and short. Um, Ro, do you want to go into that? Yeah, so I mean... Once Sarah had that inter- that conversation with her name is Dr. Pulianda uh, with Dr. Pulianda, uh, she she told me what they talked about, and I was I knew a person at my school who uh, her name is Dr. Angle Carlson, and she uh, is a school psychologist. And I asked her, I'm like, okay, we know that on the broader scale. I'm sorry, high school or middle school psychologist? Because uh, Kevin's demographic is middle school at that point she's yeah. a middle school yeah she's middle school okay so, so age appropriate for, for mm-hmm. sarah's brother exactly and so i talked to her and i'm like okay so i've been told and i'm sure you would know about this but that journaling is a very therapeutic tool for these kids and this is how we're going to help them but i'm here to ask you how can we make our tool the most useful and so kids can actually use it and what's the problems with journaling how can we improve it and basically we had this really long conversation but it boils down to one kids don't like to do any more writing than they have to do i mean i'm kind of generalizing but some most of the time kids don't want to write extra exactly (laughs) that's the trend um and Number two is they could they might get excited for a couple of days and then they won't do it anymore because it takes too long. Like um, she gave me an example, like when you're writing in a notebook, the first couple of notes are really nice and neat, and then you kind of just scribble scratch the rest. And so that's what she she told me that I'm like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. We want to make sure that they use it if it's going to be useful. They have to use it every day, and for that to happen, we need to make it quick. And so. We came up with the idea of prompts, and she also helped me develop the prompts along with a few other people, but she was the main supporter in the prompt development. Because that's the pedagogy in school. That's where you you are guided in any kind of writing project. You know, prompts are a part of of that massaging, (laughs) that cognitive process. Exactly. And if kids kids don't want to think of a prompt and then respond to it, right, they prefer to just be given the question and then respond in a couple sentences. And it's really not the length that you journal. Uh, Dr. Carlson told me it's not the length. It's just getting the act of doing it is way more important. So even if they wrote a couple sentences, that's it. If they took a picture, if they took, if they did anything of expressing their opinion or uh, their thoughts, that is a form of journaling and it's therapeutic. So that's why we came up, she helped us develop prompts and that's how we were able to develop prompts that are useful for these kids and not just how are you feeling today, like surface level. For those of you who just joined us, my guests are Rohan Soni and Sardong. They're local high school students together building an enterprise, Dear Me Dot Mental Health, a journaling app project to help uplift kids coping with chronic illness and mental health issues through acknowledging gratitude and by journaling, as you're hearing them say. Well, so the fonts are now English, but you're going to go international. I can just see it. This is a, <laughs> it's on the billboards, on every interstate. It's on every social media platform. But So right now the fonts are – but are you starting to think about other kinds of script and other kinds of culturally – what they say? Mm-hmm. Not just culturally competent, culturally humble kind of ways? Or that's, let's just first do the, the Americano uh, 1.0 version, and then you, are you thinking about – some of those other cultural ways. I mean, I'd say, I'd say we definitely we've as of right now, Dear Me is a, probably a rather local project. Orange County is our where we started because we can see the people, we can talk to them. It's just a lot easier when it's closer. But we think that our tool, 
the advantage of Dear Me, or one of its uh, the the good things about Dear Me, is that it can be easily, relatively easily scaled, because it's not like we are ha- we have to be there every time people join or something. You know, we can send the app out, we can we can advertise the app, we can advertise the film, and people can see it around the world. It's not an Orange County only thing. So yes, of course, we would like to make the app more global. But I think that since it's right now Orange County, it'd be really our next goal would be maybe go to California, then then nationwide. And after nationwide, we'd have to start including other languages. And that is more of an advanced process, which we would will hopefully do one day. But I think it'd be helpful to see gain traction and really gain it, get information on what is working and what isn't. Sure. Because we don't want everyone doing these prompts and the prompts doing nothing for these kids. Like that or, is just defeating the purpose. Or even exacerbating. So exactly. I asked about sources. Let's get back into that. So you must be raising some kind of funds and then those sources are going to be something about when you're scaling or and or adapting. So if it's not sort of uh, too privileged information, what kind of sources have you been able to get? So in last December, we actually, that's when we kind of came up with the idea for this project and we needed, we were like, how can we actually do this? How can we get resources? How can we connect with people and how can we have the money to do this? And we applied to the Dragon Kim Foundation um, and it was a long application process, but we ultimately were accepted as one of the many project groups there. So talk, tell us about, I, I'm a little bit aware of what the Dragon Kim, it's a, yeah. it's a local sort of family enterprise to redeem on a very sad family situation. So explain to our listeners who have no idea what the Dragon Kim Foundation is, please. Yeah, so the Dragon Kim Foundation is a local organization um, to Irvine and Orange County. And within this organization, basically what had happened was they had a son who had previously had all these great ideas of bringing music to his community, but he unfortunately passed away suddenly. So they decided, how can we help other kids bring their projects to life just like our son, Dragon? Um, So that's where the Dragon Kim Foundation came from. And it started, I believe, around seven years ago. Um, And each year they bring in more groups and more groups. So this year I believe there were 40 or 50. Yeah, 47 groups. Um, And I think next year they want to have around 60 groups. So every single year they bring in more groups and they fund those groups each with $5,000 of a scholarship. They provide them with mentorship, leadership trainings, and stuff like that throughout the course of a couple of months so then they can truly flourish and connect with other people to bring these projects to life because the goal of it is to make our community a better place and impact as many people as possible. So we were accepted as fellows in the Dragon Kim Foundation in, I believe, March, and we went through multiple trainings, and then in the beginning of May and June, we began to search for interviewees and experts to help us create our film, and then also, Rohan, when did you set the app? Well, uh, it's, it, we knew we wanted to do this project in around, I'd say November, December, we were like, okay, we want to do this. Of last year, 2022. yeah. And so, but we needed funding, but the, another problem was if we get accepted, we were thinking, okay, if we get ex- accepted into this program, the the Dragon Kim program, uh, we would really need, we would, the app, I couldn't code the app in from March to June. That would be like through, I, it takes I think time. It, experience coder, in there. experience coder, maybe they could do it, but I was still juggling school and other classes, so it, it would be difficult to code. So I started as soon as we had the idea, and we talked to the experts, and we knew that a film and an app are what we were going to do. Um, once we talked to the experts, I was like, okay, I think I'm going to start coding the app. If we don't get in, we're going to have to pivot our plan, and we're going to come up with something else. But we want to do this no matter what. So that's when I started the app. Or I'd say late November, and then I'm still coding and fixing the app to today but it's uh it's been a kind of a really fun process to code it and 
more fun than stressful at all, actually. So, yeah. So is Kavan in the middle of all this? Are you, like, testing? Is he is he literally the guinea pig? <laughs> He's sort of, I feel like we'd consider him more of the origin story than the guinea pig because we want to make sure that And I say project... that with do, uh, oh, of due course, respect. Of course, yeah. Lovingly. I, I, I haven't met him before, but so anyway, you... He's the origin story, as you said. But so, so how are you testing this? So we ultimately, we kind of connected with experts to talk about what they believe that their patients or their clients felt like with journaling and projects like this. Um, and then we created the app. And then throughout the process, my brother has, he's like seen clips of the film or he was there on a couple of filming days to kind of see how it went. He was also, we interviewed him in the film itself. So he's been there throughout the process, but kind of, he doesn't really want to be in the middle of it, I guess. Like he doesn't really want yeah, to be. Yeah, he has a big enough job already to yeah, get exactly. through this. Yeah, he has a lot going on. So he doesn't really want to be, I guess, at the center of the project, but he's definitely been there throughout every step of the way he knows what's going on and throughout the process we'd ask him like if you were to be asked what's one way you feel good throughout the day would you have a response and he'd be like yeah I think I'd be able to answer that so we've he's kind of given us reassurance but I wouldn't say he's necessarily what the center of the project not shake him down every pet yeah <laughs> I'd also say that to answer like how we tested this further we found in our film it's all in it but we found some other kids who on from various places like on Instagram we found some but we we were able really? to get some kids uh, who came and were in the film but we inter we interviewed and we had these kids test our app as one of the segments of the film and so they were testing the app and they gave us their opinion because they all, they all didn't have a kidney condition they had a different condition one of them had a heart condition another one had um, a blood condition but they all had different conditions and so maybe a certain prompt is too generalized to, or too spe specified to a kidney condition so they told us that they told us that the app interface was confusing because of x y and z and so we should fix that and so we tested with not only coven coven was our main source because he was right he was with us the entire right, time but right. we tested with other kids and we kind of had two testing phases the experts so on a medical ish level and then we had the kids level just to see if they would use it because no matter how medically great the app could be if the kids aren't going to use it then there's no point in it mm -hmm. well this makes me think of a show i did about three plus months ago at they are this is about terminal illness at chalk and so chalk means these are young patients and they're talking about Respecting the agency of a young person with end-of-life situations, either really a, a chronic or terminal, or you know both. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know if that is an entity that you're aware of is there, and I'll make sure you get more resources there. But they've, I mean, they are at the leading edge of trying to expand on the agency of the same demographic that you're working with. I mean, mm -hmm. the, the Venn diagram is a, kind of a <laughs> fat oval. It's kind of a, closer to a circle. So I don't know. Are you aware of, of what Chalk has been doing? I actually didn't know that Chalk was doing that specifically for k children with terminal illnesses, but I do know that when we first began this project, we specifically were leaning towards chronic illness, not only because that's what my brother had, but because we saw that that's kind of the type of illness that we've seen in our community where people don't really know what's going on. Like my brother would go to, say, like the lab every single Monday morning, but people would be like, oh yeah, he's just at his doctor's appointment. Like no one really knew exactly what's going on because it's kind of, we call them invisible sicknesses. Like no one really knows 
if you were to look at someone with a chronic illness, it's kind of difficult to tell, oh, they have this kidney disease or, oh, they have diabetes because it's kind of hidden. So that's why we wanted to specifically help them because since it's hidden, no one really, either people don't ask them how they're feeling or they have no response to say, oh, I'm feeling sad today because they're like, oh. Or it's they not make that dumb, big a deal. D- dumb, gratuitous yeah. side uh, lines mm-hmm. that you know that are so so unhelpful and so mm-hmm. tone deaf. So, well, I'll make sure then uh, that you, these parties all get together. So, I'm wondering if, in order to do this app, are you going to have like a small fee for people to to use this? I think right now we're not focused on like profiting from the project yet. We I think it's. We can get it to a global level first, or not global, nation level at least, and okay. see, make sure it's useful, make sure all for free, and then we haven't really, I haven't really thought of that too much. But I think that I, I would want to help these people, and I feel like a fee would be a barrier to helping these people, so it wouldn't serve the people be- best to f- charge them to fix their mental health. It kind of feels a little backwards. So I think we'd be okay leaving it. Uh, free and maybe there's other aspects we could monetize to additional parts of our project potentially. Well, I mean, there's there's so many different kinds of sort of interpretations of your product based on that. Because if it's mm-hmm. if it's free, is it that you're going to be mining data for that? So I want to find out because you're talking about the programming and we're talking about where yeah what you're offering or asking for a subscriber I'm, I'm not sure what's the if that's the correct term yeah you just tell me what terms we need but so there is first there's consent that Kavan he somehow has it been elaborate or an informal kind of consent procedure with him I'd I want say it's more informal for sure cuz it's not We've obviously asked him, like, are you comfortable with this? Are you okay that we share blah, blah, blah? And he said, yes, sure. But it's not necessarily a written agreement that we signed on the dining table. But that's, but that's something, I mean, he is in a vulnerable place. Yeah. So that's one reason why people say consent mm-hmm. on so many uh, so many domains is, is really important. So that I'm not going to be the first one to ask you that. So mm-hmm. you can get, keep working on, A, your, your own sort of, informal procedure and your be your interview answers yes. for those kinds of things so then to the programmer i just want to know i mean you're working you said you keep cleaning up uh, yeah. there's lots of bugs there's a lot of things and what really sends me when i think about these kind of apps is the back door and it's it's you may think that your back door's closed, but there's all this scouring, scraping of data. So other third parties, how do you keep the door closed and locked so they can't get in? Um, well, there's a variety of like security doors, you could call it, to that we've at least, I'm not exactly sure how all the apps do it, but for at least our app, we've done a couple things to keep it secure, and I think there's still more we can do in terms of securing it. Uh, but we've met we've i've coded the app so it meets all apple's app store requirements and privacy policy and uh, you know security and data protection um as like a first level but i think that people still have access there's ways around that i'm sure i'm not even sure how to get around it but i know that people can and so we've done other things like we're using a few uh, server to store the data and so uh in like in not in coding terms. Basically, what this means is that I can't, I can't have physically no way of looking at the 
responses, the prompts, the users, or the passwords. Uh, all I can see is like the amount of users and the amount of responses, and that's it. I don't know who said what response. That I can't see any of that. Uh, and I think that I we've uh, we've met the requirements for the Apple App Store, and I think that that's a good first step. But before this becomes much bigger. It, I'm. That's what I'm currently working on. Actually, I was mentioning. I think a little earlier. I'm. I'm going to merge Python. I was merging Python into the program, and the reason for that is because that's going to be almost like a security base where I can it, encrypt it. So it's just actually a bunch of numbers. And so when there's only numbers, nobody. It's like it's a algorithm to mix up the the data into just a bunch of numbers. So people will have no idea what. Once it's encrypted, it's impossible to. To, to look at what it is so that's why I, that's what I want that's what I am and currently trying to uh, further secure is with encrypting but as of right now it meets Apple requirements and there's a privacy policy statement and everything on the app to meet like legal right check. I got those those templates those formalities but I'm just always I assume everything is leaky and so I'm Probably and a good not, thing, and so, um, but that doesn't mean I understand how anything works. It's just the, but it's I just keep getting that corroborated with, uh, well, we can tell by the things that are pushed on our uh, social uh, platforms that we thought. Well, I never shared that on anything, but it's sticky as as we know what. So let's first. I just want to let listeners know who if you just joined us. My guests are Rohan Sony and Sarah Dong. They are both local high school students here and they're talking about the enterprise they are building it's dear me dot mental health it's a journal app that we're you're hearing us talk about it's a project that's helping uplift kiddos coping with chronic illnesses and mental health issues and it's the sort of target is sort of middle school high secondary school level and this is a process of acknowledging gratitude through uh, journaling so how does it work? Let's just say, this is radio, folks, but let's hold up a, a, a device. It's a cell phone. Mm-hmm. It's a smartphone. And you've got a, the, you start with the homepage where people, subs- they sign on, log in, create all of their, their, it's not a profile. What do you call the, what's on the homepage? Um, it's, a, it's just an account where you create an, an account. account. And, um, and all your data is linked to your account. So... Your responses and everything will show up according to if you're logged into which account. So, what do you ask for? For in the account, yeah, we just create. A, it's really just a place. It's like if you think of your computer, you're gonna have a folder and you put stuff in a folder. That's kind of what it is. So we ask for a username and a password, and that's it. Because uh, we, it's really to improve mental health. That's the goal. And so it's not collecting. We're not trying to collect data and so that's all we ask is the username and password and then that's any, all. any responses you re- anything you respond to in a prompt would be also on linked to your account but that's all we ask for the, all that's required is a username and a password okay for now you uh, might yeah, for, you might for now. that might change what you put on the account i mean that's that's yeah. not the last word and some kind of i don't know our, this is all this is all alpha testing right now yeah i so. yeah for sure and i think that like part of the testing is we can see that okay people want don't want um because we were thinking oh it'd be cool if we can specialize the prompts for a condition that people have but that would require more data and we don't know if people want to share that so there's lots of things that we could do if we had the more data but then that makes us more reliable for managing it into a secure way so as of right now yes just a username and so there's trade-offs for what you're trying to do Mm -hmm. to 
zero in. Yeah. Micro target uh, the. I guess are they clients or patients? I always users. ask that. Yeah, we could call users. them users. Yeah. User. That's <laughs> see, of course. So I mean, the, I just want to know what kind of words you use in your yeah. boardroom there. That, so all right. So that uh, there's the a home page, and then you move into the journaling page. So what do we see on that? It's well, it's really basic right now. You'll see like there'll be a big title let's say journal and then underneath that it'll have a question uh, the which would be the prompt and so like for example you could it, it would uh, like list five things you love about yourself or or something like that it, it's and that's so a the, positive or you're, oh, you're yeah. doing you're all I, there's a tone here a mood at all I'd say the mood slash tone on this is we want to bring positivity and gratitude is the words that we mm-hmm. we emphasize because these kids already have enough to deal with and we're not trying to avoid the reality so like if you do mention like you're like I love this 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 but I'm not feeling great about this it's okay but we don't want the prompts to s- zero in on the negativity because then you might block out all the positivity right and then you become a very you could be your mental health hurts because of that so we focus on positivity but we designed the prompt so it didn't avoid the reality because that can also be harmful uh so that's a real special tone you're learning how to strike yeah that was difficult is Kavan helping you with that or that's the other people or the professionals yeah i think more experts are helping us with that than coven is sorry is it surprising what you're learning on that i feel like i i'd say it is for sure because i wouldn't really know how different people like think through certain processes or certain prompts that they're receiving until we talk to experts and even just the children that we interviewed for our film when they gave us feedback back i was like wow I, i didn't even think of that so it's kind of opening our eyes to new horizons you could say so and I'm just struggling too with the term children and you say kids and some of your press work and that kind of thing and kiddos or students. I mean there's there's don't you find yourself wondering what to call the users? Yeah, it's very difficult because our target audience is children or adolescents who are between the ages of it could be anything as low as probably like three years old to really? maybe 17 years old. Anywhere. Yeah, Three-year-olds could be doing this. I mean, possibly. if they, they have got to read, though. <laughs> yeah, true. If they have an iPhone or if they have the ability to be given these prompts and respond to them, we really want to reach as many children as possible. That's kind of our age demographic because it tends to be that children are the ones who don't want to share. Once you grow up, I feel like people are slowly learning that it's okay to share and like they kind of mature into that, whereas children don't know this right off the bat. So children are our target audience, but I think obviously anyone can use the app and it could help anyone's personal growth, just specifically children dealing with chronic illness is our main target. Or you you start putting that in front of uh, people in uh, orientation week and starting college or something like that is... I mean that could be like a, a package yeah. deal. Yeah. Know, <laughs> I, I I say without any kind of, of uh, irony there. So you're in the alpha testing now. So there's no real kind of narratives to tell yet about this product. Are there any stories to tell? I mean, I'd say in terms of the app, there isn't exactly so much of a narrative to tell because it's yeah, like you said it's alpha testing, but we like you mentioned, we have a film as well, and the film we can maybe talk a little bit about that. Please but, do. Um, today we were able to um, we released the film uh, live today. Uh, it, we had to. There's a few variables we had to wait for the okay to release it, but we got it all. And today was the day we released. Oh, we're it. breaking so, that here. Okay. So yeah, you can. Uh, hey, you doing it. It's it's available on our website and on YouTube. But in the film, we did before the 
public release as of today, we had a screening event and Maybe you can talk about some of the people we... At the we... Newport Library, right? Yes. Yeah, so we had a screening event for close friends and family or people who had already known about this throughout the process. And that was hosted at the Newport Beach Civic Center. Um, and there we had, I believe it was 124 members of our community, people we knew who, invi- who we invited to watch the film and then go through, went through a brief presentation of what Dear Me was. And at that film itself, we got multiple people. We had them fill out a form at the end of it or just kind of talk to us afterwards about what they thought about it. Um, and we got a couple of like quotations from these people. We asked them, would you like to use the app? Do you think you know people who would use the app? Um, what are they saying? A lot of them... I. I would say a good majority of them said that they would use the app, but we did also get a couple of negative responses, which did help us in terms of, like, moving forward. So a couple of people said, to be honest, I didn't love the film. I thought it was worrying. We said, okay, great. We'll, like, look forward into adding more advertisements to it or something like that. Or some people said, I mean, the app is cool, but I don't really love to journal, so maybe I wouldn't use it. And we said, okay, so maybe we can make it more interactive or just accept the fact that not everyone wants to use the app, but it kind of was a good way to gauge where people's interests were at from that event. Rohan, did you bring some sort of impressions from that? I say, I mean, we definitely had like we we talked after the filming sure. uh, event we like oh, okay this is what people are saying and like <laughs> when we saw the responses sometimes like oh i want to tell you something like why because they would say something like oh they couldn't do this i'm like oh no you can but i couldn't talk to them because it was anonymous and everything but um i'd say that we were able to gain gauge like the dem like the trend of okay if you have a group of people and uh, how many people do you think would actually use it? and i'd say the majority did and it was really like meaningful when like some a person came up to me and said like that I, I knew them for a while but I didn't know that they struggled with depression and so they told me that and they're like this is wow. going to really help me and I'm like oh that's that's really the that's when I was like okay this can help people I don't it I would love if everyone used it but maybe I have to accept that not everyone's going to use it but some people are really going to benefit from this and that's what really motivates us to continue to do the minute the coding editing and new films and everything like that mm-hmm. so because it's a journal, I don't know how much you two are f- familiar with the how that might work, mm-hmm. but is it also intended to be a record for people to refer to, or is it just the kind of the mechanics of putting down, uh, of gauging one's mental state? And so it's a, a bit of everything. Yeah, so when we talked to Dr. Pulianda at Cedar sinai she told us journaling is a very therapeutic and useful tool, and I was like, does that mean writing it down in a book? Like, what do you mean by journaling? And she says pretty much anything that gets your thoughts out of your brain and onto something else could be considered journaling. So in our app, it'll send you a prompt at a random time during the day, and it should take you... Oh, during any time. Any time during the day. So so it kind of can track a random emotion. It's not necessarily like, oh, in the morning, I always feel tired, so all my responses are going to be a little mellow. Whereas, like, this one might send you a response, I guess, at 1 p.m. in the afternoon when you're with your friends, so you're in a good mood. So it's kind of tracking different levels of responses, and it shouldn't take you long. It should take you maybe two minutes. So it's not like you're sitting there like, oh, God, now I have to write 30 minutes of an essay right now. But it's rather, okay, right now I'm feeling a little bit stressed about my homework, but I'm excited to go hang out with my friends in the afternoon. Done, submitted, great. And you can always look back at your responses. It is like a... uh uh, a record. Record, yeah. exactly. It's like a real journal because we wanted to make it feel as real, take the good parts of a journal and keep it, but try to make it almost as bet- better or geared towards kids so they would journal. And so, uh, like Sarah said, it, it sends a random prompt. So it's kind of a, you could, maybe a game you could say, like a, you don't know when it's going to come, so you it's like random and that's what makes it maybe exciting. But then uh, when you respond, it'll 
save the response and you can always look in the home screen like we were talking about there's a big calendar and you can scroll and you can find the day you want to look at just like a traditional journal you can always look back so i'm wondering if dr palianda is that her name palianda yeah palianda or Dr. Car- um, Angela, what's her name? Angler Carlson. Car- uh, or Dr. Or, um, the social, um, the, yeah, the, she was yeah. the psychiatrist. The, the, the yes. psych- oh, she's a psychiatrist. Dr. Carlson, that they're probably, or other researchers will be really interested in what the benefit is after the act of journaling is, did that not, in, it's not going to be in all cases, because some cases are more severe, but... Mm-hmm. Are there there are going to be ways that there is a kind of a, a like a a correction or an improvement in one's mental health? That I mean, I mean, we know it's going to it's here to help people, but yeah. but is it is the act of assigning it to a journal would sort of dump the problem to some extent? So that I mean, if there it's hard, it'll be hard to gauge, but people will be so interested in data about what that is going to do to uh, how, how it assigns, set aside a critical problem that might uh, help that person move on and leave that behind, not yeah. carry it along the way. Yeah, I definitely think that one of the most, one of the biggest parts about this is the fact that we're not necessarily, we understand that you have a chronic illness or you're going through something personally. We can't stop that. Something's Mm. just happened and it's sad to accept it, but we can't, we're two, what, high school students. We can't do that much, but we want to make sure that they know you're not alone. It's okay to say, right now I'm feeling kind of sad, but it's okay. I'll get better in the future. It's kind of, we're not necessarily there to make them become more healthy per se, but rather to make them accept where they are and like understand that it's okay to feel how you feel. It just seems like there is going to be a clinical improvement in just, it's, it's, it, at least things aren't getting worse, but mm-hmm. in some ways, but that's, it's just like, it's an, a phenomenal kind of a, a, of a service. So there won't be a way to gauge it. It's only the user is going to be able to gauge it by how they're doing. It's a very, I mean, of course, a very personal thing. So it's, it is difficult to gauge, like, with metrics because what can you, what, you what's won't the have metric, access. metric health, like mental health per, like, there's no units for mental health. But I think something we could potentially do and we have talked about, but we haven't, spe- like, we haven't done too much uh, thinking about this yet, but we were discussing, well, you could potentially record like we can have like an experiment where we we send like some test kits with like a like a heart rate measure and uh and some and maybe they can record how they feel after their journal you know almost like a double journal and then we can see like okay after the journal is their heart rate going down is we can try to take like vitals and see if that's improving after the journal in the the app Uh, not in the app this is like maybe we can get a a follow-up population of people and we can bring them and we can kind of test but this is something that would require a lot of uh, like Pro- a lot of protocols, a lot of protocols, and something that we haven't really decided we're going to do or not because we want to also continue improving the app, fix the bugs, and and maybe even get the film out there even more. So we don't. That was just an idea we had in seeing if it would improve people's mental health. Yeah. So I have an intervention in your enterprise is that I want to seal off an equity firm that wants to horn in on this turf and take over and scour and get get in the middle of all this. I hope that you will you will not be tempted yet to having some bigger financial portfolios come and take it over and make it something else. I hope that the 
homespun vibe that I'm getting from you talking about this, that it's, for now, it's going to be that kind of, that pure and earnest kind of enterprise. But, you know, but this is where some of those things can go. Mm-hmm. With, I mean, look what happened to Facebook. That was just a little project, <laughs> not maybe a little vindictive sort of a, a origin story. But, I mean, there's these little projects that can get blown up and it could turn into something yeah. that some people would consider kind of a perverse, uh, intrusive sort of thing. So I'm just I'm just sort of uh, putting the cones <laughs> in the road. And I don't want to I don't want the the hum the humvees coming in. I just hummers. I want them out of there. So so when will do you think you might have an app ready to go? I mean, currently the app is it's it's hard to gauge, but I'm just curious. For, I had to ask though. Yeah, to, for see sure. what you say. Um, the current, the currently the app is on the app store, so people can. It's almost a testing. It's in a testing stage, but I'd say the app would be. Well, an app's never really finalized. It's always no. like, oh, I want to make it better. I can do this. I can do that. But I'd say, um, in a year's time, I think that I could get it into a self-sustainable uh, state. If that means any, like, like it will be able before to- you graduate. I think From before I, my goal, that's my goal to get before I graduate high school to get this into a self-sustainable application where I don't have to go to the code every day and tinker around and fix it. But don't, I mean, don't, don't, I'm, that's my goal. I don't know if that's going to happen because there's so many things that could go wrong or unexpected. So they will and they will and they just, will. they already have, but they will, of course they will continue. So, but that's my goal to get it to a self-sustainable point before I graduate high school. Okay. Well, and so I'm sure listeners were thinking the way I was sort of thinking and preparing for the script is that this is its own reward, and it's not we're not resume padding. This is just you've you've been in this world for a long time, Sarah. <laughs> you've been seeing the need, and 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 I didn't know before we started this that you two really were well acquainted with each other. Oh, yeah. So it's yeah. a this is a this is, it's so amazing. Well, I'm so pleased with getting on the front end of this so people can start thinking about that. I don't know if you are there ways that you want people to follow you as you're building at, for people to maybe they want to contribute something or they just want to how do they follow you? You've got an Instagram account. Tell us all those details. Yeah, so we have an Instagram account. It's called at dearme.mentalhealth. So anyone listening, if you could go check that out that'd be great. We post any updates, any photos we have from random tasks and projects we've done so far and then Rohan has also coded a website dearmementalhealth.com and that really pretty much holds everything it talks about us it talks about our story it talks about the film the app our media presence everything there that's kind of like a central hub that you could go to so please check out those two areas to kind of connect us and just spread the word about Dear Me because this truly is a project that could go big if it needed to because it is digital so spread it talk about it anything that you could would be really helpful thank you guys okay <laughs> thank you so much for your time it's been a real treat talking with both of you thank you, thank you Claudia. <laughs> my guests I'm, and i really do appreciate it. my guests were rohan sony and sarah dong local high school students together building this enterprise dear me dot mental health a journaling app to help uplift Young people, they were saying close to three, but oh, three and up to sky's the limit, dealing with chronic illness and mental health, acknowledging gratitude through journaling. Watch for the film soon to be out. Dear me. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for having us. We 
will be right back with my next guest, Gita Sharifi, to post us on the Women Life Freedom Rally this Saturday in Los Angeles. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for staying tuned, everybody. My next guest is Gita Sharifi to post us very briefly on the Women Life Freedom Rally this Saturday in Los Angeles. And she is currently the Chief Financial Officer at the Lifelong Learning. She was previously CFO at the Radiant Health Centers and Western Youth Services that serves at-risk children, youth, and families in Orange County. And for the past 20 years. She has been a community activist serving on numerous charitable boards, school boards, co-chair of the CFO Leadership Council, and as the fifth supervisorial district representative on taxpayers' oversight for Measure M. Boy, do I have a lot of questions I have about Measure M, how that's getting spent around here. <laughs> that's a separate show. She won the Outstanding Nonprofit CFO of the Year Awards in 2019 and was named to the 2019 Orange County Business Journal's inaugural OC 500. She earned her undergraduate degree at Eastern Michigan University and her MBA and a certificate in management and leadership from the Pepperdine Grazio Adio School of Business. She earned her PhD in organizational leadership from the Chicago School of Professional Psychology, and she's got an IRS enrolled agent license that allows her to practice anywhere in the world. Welcome to Ask a Leader, Gita Sharifi. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you so much. Masa Amini's death one year ago will be commemorated the world round, including in Los Angeles this Saturday. Protests have been going ongoing since her death in police custody, Irvine included. I'm sure listeners have seen all over Orange County and beyond. Gita, let's first post listeners on what, where, when, and how this Saturday before you talk about some of the other interesting details of the whole range of the Iranian-American community here in Southern California. Sure. I'm just going to quickly mention the rally for L.A. Obviously, the rally is, is globally, but in California, Los Angeles, there will be a L.A. protest by diverse Iranians on anniversary date of Massa. I mean, it's remembrance on September 16 at 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time in downtown Los Angeles City Hall. The address is 200 North Spring Street. And for information, you can call 818-943-6276. They still are asking for volunteers, so volunteers can just join at the tables and the stage um, earlier um, than 2 o'clock. So that's the information on that. There will be other uh, programs in L.A., so prior to the L.A. protest, There'll be a, a Harazmi group a series of presentations to rebuild Iran. That program starts at USC at 10 o'clock, a registration, 11 to 1. On Saturday? On Saturday. Okay. And then from there, there are cars coming from San Diego with signs that same day. They will stop in Irvine, and from Irvine, they will stop at USC, and we're all going to be, I'll be uh, one of the presenters at USC. And then from there, we're going to be driving with cars to L.A. protests to downtown Los Angeles. What a day. And there was going to be also something in Irvine I'm from our mutual connection we have. 
get the. Uh, so, is there something happening in Irvine the day before a vigil? Um, I'm not aware, honestly, okay. on any events in Irvine because every every program and effort is really being put on LA protests to make sure that okay. it's successful. So that's really what I know. But one thing really important I want to mention to the listeners is that uh, there was a bipartisan legislation that was introduced to Congress and then was approved, um, and now it's on the Senate floor for vote today. It's called MASA Act, and this bipartisan legislation is the MASA Amini Human Rights and Security Accountability Act. And it is on Senate floor for vote at 4 o'clock Eastern time today. So please watch for that. This is a very important bill, bipartisan. Um, it brings transparency with congressional oversight, with Iran policy, and also puts sanctions on Iran's supreme re- leader and um, all of the inner circles to be accountable. Well, thank you for all of that. And you you did give a nod to the heterogeneous kind of demographic in the Iranian-American community. Just briefly, if you could just sort of acknowledge that you are, you're like shoulder to shoulder with people that you would not have had common cause with, but for the universal appeal of the protest of the current regime in Iran. It is. The Iranians are calling for regime change in Iran, the rally is in solidarity globally with the country's protest movement. Every individual, I mean, Iran has 80 million people, um, and there are millions of Iranians outside um, Iran, um, you know, fighting and, and, and yelling and screaming for regime change. There is a majority of Iranians calling for Crown Prince Reza Pahlavi, and uh, basically, um, He's asking for his belief, believes in the state of Iran that should be a democratic and secular and human rights should be respected. He would like to leave the form of government to the people of Iran to decide. And there are a variety of diverse, uh, you know, uh, people, populations that support this, this regime change um, in solidarity with, you know, what actually ignited it with Masa Amini. I mean, 44 years of, uh, you know, human rights violation in the country hopefully will come to an end soon. <laughs> Sorry. So you know, I'm, I'm looking so forward to witnessing what is going to be on display and, and, and invigorating <laughs> follow-up from everybody, also witnessing and participating. So I know this was a kind of a, you know, last-minute arrangement. You have been so generous to take this time away from your busy schedule of keeping all a lot of plates up in the air and organizing your part of the whole this program. Gita Shadifi, thank you so much for being on Ask a Leader today. It's so good, and I will post all of those details in the podcast link summary that people will be able to hear. Thank you. And if anybody wants to um, help rebuild Iran with Farazmi Group, please have um, check the website farazmi.group. Um, and then also, again, for the L.A. protest, you can call 818-943-6276. Okay. That's thank a- you so much. Thank you so much. We'll be right back with the tribute to Marianne Guido, a civic leader extraordinaire that I already personally miss so much. We'll be right back. Don't go away.
And now a, a brief tribute. There isn't much time to pay, to do completely the respectful gesture I would like to offer. Mary Ann Guido passed away last Wednesday, September 6th, and I had her on several times on this show. I met her in 1991, and I remember everything she told me about the backdrop of many things in Orange County, and it, w it was remarkable. And she was always a, a phenomenally uh, giving, a, a considerate, a a, just a generous contributor to the community on so many levels. She was on the planning commission. She was in the saddle on Monday, two days before her death. And so uh, she was on the planning commission in several different appointments under Beth Crom and Larry Agron. And she also served two elected terms on the city council in the late 70s and the middle 80s. She ran for mayor. That's when she was last on this show. And she was a founding member of the boards of Irvine Housing Opportunities, Jamboree Housing, the Kennedy Commission of Orange County. I mean, I'm, I can't list them all. You will hear them if you are able to come join all of us to pay last respects to Marianne on this Friday. I'm going to give the details, and then I'm just going to close out the show. The funeral mass for her, for Marianne Guida, will take place at St. Elizabeth Ann Seton Catholic, Nine Hillgate, Irvine, California, September 15th, and will begin at 2 p.m., and a reception will follow. And the family invites attendees to bring a photo or a written memory to add to a display, and condolence messages can be mailed to her son John or and or Peggy Guido, her daughter, and you can send them to 5071 Berrien Lane in Irvine, and donations in Marianne's memory may be given to the Kennedy Commission for Affordable Housing, the Sisters of St. Joseph of Orange, the Barclay Theater, or the School of Nursing. Well, that's my wrap. Next week, we're going to have on the Irvine demographer who's still working on those maps for the districts for the city council, the chartered amendment that would be on our primary ballot. We're going to have Justin Levitt on next week. So stay tuned. Talk with you next week. Thank you, everyone, for listening. <laughs>